and stand with me. I'll be reading out of Romans chapter 16 as you turn there. These are Paul's final words before he concludes the letter to the churches in Rome. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which have been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith. To only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we, we do recognize that amongst all people, in time of history, in the time of place that we reside, we are in a privileged position. For ages past, the mystery of the hope of the gospel was not fully realized. It was promised. But to whom would fulfill the things which you promised was yet unknown. You knowing all along who would that be, and uh, at the right point of time appointed Jesus Christ our Savior came to that which he created, that to which was his own, and we yet despised and rejected him. Yet see the faithfulness and the humility of Christ who came to atone for our sins, stated the matter plainly, and that he came to forgive our sins, to die for our sins, that upon dying, though, three days later, he would resurrect and become our hope. Lord, we conclude our time now here in the, Roman, the book of Romans, and it has been sweet. But before we move forward, Lord, I pray that one last time could we remember as a people what we have come to hope in. May you make it sweet in our minds again. May we become a people that never grow accustomed to it. We cherish it, thirst for it, never make it old that we could be the people of God who can proudly proclaim wherever we might be, whether we're a mother or a father, who looks at their child who wonders how they might get through things, that we can proclaim now to the God who is able. Whether it be a co-worker who cannot see out past their situation and circumstances, there is a God who has a power and is able to save us from the consequences of this world. Lord, I pray that they... We would be a people that operate in the faith of what's been promised to us so that as you continue to be patient with the world around us, that they too as well would respond in the obedience of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. 17 months. We have poured over the letter of Romans. This is my last try at it. Adam will come next week and he will reflect on something from Romans 15 that I think is important for us to consider. But as I think through it, I hope as we have wandered through the writings of Paul, there's always this concern 
not that I have pastorally, but I just think just as a follower of Christ that we all ought to have as it relates to the gospel. Let's not get this wrong. Let's not be the people of God whom stutter in what we have to offer the world around us. Paul was convinced. It shaped the very way he lived his life. If he wanted to be known for anything, there's a lot of things you might be willing to know. Might be even be willing to get wrong. But the people of God ought not be confused on what we hope in. And we should be at a place in our relationship with Christ that if we indeed have been baptized in Christ, made a public profession of faith, Christ died for our sins according to the promises, that he, he rose again on the third day, He has ascended to the Father at the right hand, and He will return for those who have responded in faith. If you have made that proclamation of faith even through baptism, then we should be a people who are willing and able to proclaim it to others. Paul started out the letter with this aim and he ends it with this aim. Romans 1 verse 16. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek He concludes that first line in Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able, who has the means and the will to save us from the consequences we all face. There are consequences that plague this world, but there is one consequence that none of us can free ourselves from. Paul's made it abundantly clear. Christ made it abundantly clear. Peter makes it abundantly clear. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. And so death spreads to all men because all sinned. We as the people of God ought to recognize why there exists within our world suffering. You'll face it every day, in which you, whether it be in your family or workplaces or even your schools. Why does suffering exist? And Christians must be a, a people who, who know that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, since the birth of our entry into the world, there has been a trajectory which all of us are headed to. And all of us fear it. It's Hebrews says himself in 9.27, and it inasmuch as it is appointed for all men to die once, and after this comes judgment. When I, was, when I was a kid, I remember putting my hand in my grandpa's hand. As a young child, I would look and I would think to myself, man, my, my hands and my grandpa are strong. World War II vet. I don't know what it is about kids, but he could move the biggest rocks. Um, he would often tell us as kids, move that rock. And we couldn't. And I remember the many memories. We lived, he, he lived in Sandpoint, Idaho. Lots of rocks there. And he would just 
amaze me at his strength. But as I have grown to get older, the strength that I once cherished in my grandfather has now left him. There is a power or a facade of power that we, we put our hopes in that is no hope at all. I remember being 17 and thinking, my strength will never fail me. But the scriptures, as Paul has reminded us, is that all humanity is headed for a trajectory and the power that you yourselves would trust yourself with is going to fade you. And this is what makes the gospel such good news. Because the power, there is a power that does not fade, nor will elude. And that is why Paul concludes his letters with the truth of that hope. Now to him who is able. I just want to sit on that in our first point. Because we, for some reason, in my youth and even in my young age, there is an arrogance that go, creeps into the mind of us which looks at God or even wakes up in the morning and thinks, we don't need you. And we recognize that the consequences of our sin is death. The hope of the gospel is there is one who has power. Real power. Romans 1.20 doesn't take much we walk out our doors every day and we come to grips with the power that would exist outside of ourselves. And Paul reminded of this for us in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that there. They are without excuse. Isn't it interesting? As a child, I could look at my grandfather's hand and say, wow, what strength. We have been created to love power. We love the, the thought that something could protect us. I had a brother-in-law. There's two theories you have. I had a brother-in-law who was a bodybuilder. And bodybuilders become bodybuilders because you have two options. You can either run, that's why I run, from a fight. Or you can be one who can stand his ground when he needs it. There's two types of power, but we all know that that all fades. You can build yourself up, but there is a power that stands behind even the power of the sun. Or of all creation. There are hands that we recognize that we marvel at the power which possesses that individual. Psalms 19.1 reminds us there are hands so powerful we ought to marvel at it. Psalms 19.1 The heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. So when Paul gets to the end of Romans, the, the good news is that the salvation that we utterly need, the power to, to ex, not to escape the consequences of sin, but be delivered from the consequences of sin, is not resting in our power, but in someone else's ability. 
In the hands of the one where that power exists is infinitely eternal. I, I love reading the Old Testament for what it teaches us. So we're going to go all the way to Genesis in a few weeks. But when you read the, the Old Testament, you come to grips to this, this God who has surpassing power. I mean, I could just show you some of the stories. In Jericho, they walk around it for seven trips, and all they're asked to do is yell. Now we know yelling does not bring down walls. What brings down walls? The power of God. We know that when Egypt came out, or excuse me, Israel came out of Egypt, God has reminded them historically and repeatedly, you didn't get out of Egypt by your power. You got out of Egypt by my power. You remember when he's, Moses is at the Red Sea and Israel is trapped with the waters in front and Israel or the Egyptian army behind. Moses has to remind them, even after the ten plagues, we're not here because you got us here. God got us here by his power. But then he says in Exodus 14, 13, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. Right? Literally, zip it. And watch what God can do for you. Let me demonstrate my power. Exodus records in 14.14, the Lord will fight for you while you are, sorry, while you keep silent. Essentially, zip it. And we remember, wall of water literally on one side, the wall of water on the other side. The God who created all things through the power of His mighty hand can actually manifest His power within creation and create the seas to be split for men to walk through Him through it and we see the power of God being displayed in the Old Testament you remember the song which Israel declared after that salvation they said in Exodus 15 2 the Lord is my strength and song God is my power he has become my salvation this is my God I will praise him my father's God I will extol him And it's not just Romans that teaches this principle. It's all the scripture has declared. There is a power of God which is able to deliver us from the oppressions that we face, even death. And so when Paul writes, Romans 16.25, this is the hope even for the Gentile. Coming to grips with what we are all faced with, now to him who is able. And so we recognize that the God that we serve is capable, able, has the resources and the means to deliver us from the consequences of sin. Not only that, point two, he's manifested that power. Like it's one thing. It's one thing to have the power an entirely another thing to not manifest that power. We all know, this is a horrible example, but we all know that Bill Gates has the means to pay my house off. 
But up to this point, he has not been willing. (laughs) Our God. There is a wage that is so eternally against you. So significant. There is only one who has the means to pay it. This is the gospel. When we read the truths of God, there is a power that exists and there is only one hope that we have. Is He willing to pay what you deserve upon Himself? Is He willing to take that debt and take it and pay it for Himself? Look what Paul concludes with. It's, this is not a new idea. Historically, since the very beginning, God has set out not only to demonstrate His power, but even His will to save you and I through Christ Jesus. Now to Him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. This is the good news and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret. For long ages past, Peter writes about how the prophets were so excited about the promises being granted to them, longing to see it themselves, had to wait. We have seen it, but now is manifested. Not only is God able, He is also willing. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has made known to all the nations to obedience of faith. Would you just consider with me that verse 26? And I've already hinted at it already, but now is manifested. You get a couple glimpses of this in the ministry of Christ. It's one of the the first specific events in the life of Christ that you read in Matthew about the willingness of God in Christ to free us from the consequences of sin. In Matthew chapter 4, you, you read that Jesus' prop, uh, ministry becomes so popular, everyone's there. Everyone from Syria to Transjordan, from Jerusalem. Everyone shows up to see who God or Christ is and He heals everyone. Those are speak, spoken about generally. But the first specific healing that you read being described in detail is not till Matthew chapter 8. And it's one that you might not expect if you were a Jew. It was a leper. Even in recent history, leprosy has plagued the world for a long time. Matthew, it is a shock because leprosy literally was the death sentence. It was just a matter of time as you waited it out. Look what the the leper does as he runs to Christ. Matthew 8, verse 2. A leper came to him, bowed down before him, and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can have the means, but not be willing to extend that to someone. And the leper gets it. You have the ability, Christ. You have the means to free me. You have the power to cleanse me if you're willing. And so, 
when we read Romans, we're not only reading about the God who is able to save us. We're also reading and we're coming to grasp that the God who has created all things, who has all power, is not only able to do these things, but is willing to manifest his will for us. And the leper gets that. You remember, you know Christ's response. Matthew 8, 3, Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel, the power of God, your salvation rests not in your power. There is a power that is able to save you. We, we have poured it, like in Matthew 4 and 5 and 6, where Paul pleads with his readers, don't trust in your morality as the means by which you can get right with God. It's arrogant to think that you can overcome the debt which has been given to you as a result of your sin. You'll never be able to outcome it. In fact, look at the track record. Everyone has faced the consequences of sin, death. Don't trust in your own hands to be that which saves you. There are hands that are able and willing to save you. The leper teaches this. If you're willing, if you would use your hands, I can be cleansed. The gospel, the good news that we all have come to cherish is that he is willing and he is able. Stirs in our hearts like great joy to recognize that no matter what our hands have done, and some of our hands are filthy dirty, right? We have used them aggressively against God to despise Him. Trusted ourselves to their aim, and yet even to them, even to us, God has demonstrated His willingness. To save us. I mean like. One other, another one. The lepers one. The other one that I love. Is in Matthew again. Matthew 20. Verse 30. It's two blind men. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's been teaching the disciples. Plainly why he's come. He's come to forgive sins. To atone for sins. And yet he was going to resurrect on the third day. Matthew 20 verse 30. Now to the God who is able two blind men sitting by the road hearing that Jesus was passing by cried out why I love this story is because you get a, a glimpse of how the world thinks and how God thinks two blind men sitting by the road hearing that Jesus was passing by cried out Lord have mercy on us son of David crowd responds. The crowd sternly, sternly told them to be quiet. Like, quiet. Like, you're going to disrupt what Jesus is all about. What he's doing. Stop hindering where he's going. But they cried out all the more. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They know that Jesus has the means and the ability he is able to save them. And they have no other option 
But even been told to be quiet, to cry out all the more. And you see Jesus' response. And Jesus stopped and he called them. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes, well, we want our eyes to be open. And how does he respond? Moved with compassion. You can have the means and you might even like have the will. Like, okay, I'll do it. No, Jesus, God has the compassion towards sinners, towards us. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Now to the God, now to him who is able to establish you, who has manifested his will, his compassion towards you. We've gone through the book of Romans and we have come to know this. That while we were still helpless, Romans 5, 6. Like, I imagine some of us might think, well, Jesus healed the blind man and he healed the leper. What about me? You don't get it. The consequences of sin is death. The fruit of the sin bears in plague diseases. What is the aim of a disease? It kills you. God is able to deliver you from such things which we all will face. And while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the appointed time, God demonstrated His love towards us through Christ, in Christ Jesus, which is what Romans 5.8 declares. God demonstrated His own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So not only do we have a God, what the good news of the gospel is, is that not only is He able, He is willing, and He's willing to do it publicly. Right? He, he didn't keep this in a barn. His compassion and His love towards us. Paul goes on to stress this in these three verses. He has used all of history to promise and provide in prophecies and in teaching of the Scripture the anticipation of Jesus Christ. And when He came, like, if you remember reading the Gospel of John, it's the religious leaders are asking John, are you the Christ? Why would they ask them him that? Well, they knew that the prophecies were soon to be fulfilled. And they're looking. Romans 3.21 has taught us this. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all those who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation of His blood through faith. God's able. He's willing. He's done it. The rest resides on us in the sense of how we respond to it. Like, I had a Sunday school teacher, and I've said this before, but he said, 
I, I had been coming to church for five years and didn't realize I had not responded to faith for what God has done for me in Christ. It's my fear that you would sit here amongst the teaching at Reliance and hear that truth said very little. If we are going to be known for anything, it must be this, the gospel. There is a, the power of God is for salvation. And the means by which you inherit it is not by your regular attendance here with us. That would be trusting in your own hands. Look what Paul, point three, leads us. Normally, if you, you're familiar with reliance, point three is our convictional response. Here's your convictional response. I'll read it all again. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has, made, has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. The instrument in which saves your soul is not your hands. It's the hands of God. Like I coach soccer, the instrument in which moves the ball down the field is your foot. I run. The instruments that move me down the road are my feet. When it comes to God and salvation, the instrument which saves you from the consequences of our sin is faith. Trusting yourselves into the hands of God who has saved you. And that is it. For your hands have done enough already. You have to entrust yourself into someone else's hand. And the beauty of that other person's hands is he is both able and willing to save those who entrust themselves into what he's promised. And this is why we studied for 17 months this truth. The power of God is what has been promised to us that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus taught. He wasn't confused about what he was offering the world. John chapter 5, verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. He's going to offer to the world, to those who respond in faith to his promises, resurrection. Truly, I say to you, An hour is coming, and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. We wait. Jesus taught, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even if he dies. God humbled himself, became a man, and bore the consequences of our sin and done something that no other man was able to do. And this is what, this is what struck the disciples as so odd. Like you saying you're going to Jerusalem and that you're going to die. 
And they could not grasp their mind about the promise of His resurrection three days later. We will look in a few weeks on Easter morning of that account. And they see the empty tomb and they've never seen an empty tomb before. That they still can't grasp it. But God, not wanting them to be questioning it, He manifested Himself plainly to them as resurrected. So, what has Paul taught us? Paul has told us the good news is that He's able and He's able to establish you to reconcile and restore you back into a right relationship with God, but not by your hands, but by God's hands. Have you responded in faith to the one who is both willing and able to save you? Do you trust in his hands or your own? And the good news of the gospel is is that you don't have to trust in your own, but God's. And Paul taught us this. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Who trusts in the hands of God. So my question is this, is for you. For those who may have joined us along the way, or have been with us the whole way, my question for you is first, why do you wait? If you haven't, what keeps you from responding to the salvation which is being offered to you? For God is both willing and able and compassionately desiring you. And He's demonstrated that publicly in such a way that you might realize and respond in faith. I love 2 Peter 3 9. You know why? Maybe, you maybe know why Christ hasn't come yesterday. I know why he didn't come yesterday. I know why he doesn't, hasn't come up to this point. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promises. He's, he's got the power and the means and the will to keep his promises. As some count slowlessness, but is patient towards you, not wishing or willing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance, to faith. So he waits. Stop waiting. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's not get this wrong, Reliance. We have the greatest message the world has to hear. They have trusted themselves in so many things armies, money, but they all collapse. If if God is able to free us from the consequences of sin and promise to resurrect us as a result of faith, he's taken the big issue, has he not? The hope for the Christian as we come to realize throughout all these, these writings in Romans is if God can save us from death, he surely can also transform your heart. For the wages of sins we recognize we deal with every day, but by the means of the Spirit 
whom has been given to us and poured out to us as a result of our faith, God can also transform your very inner being. And you know, just as I do, the struggles of the flesh that you feel every day, the guilt that you bear or shame yourself with, that God can free you from such things. This is for us, for those who have responded to the gospel, Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life, yes, even to your mortal bodies, through the spirit who dwells in you. This is the good news. Like, it's not just about resurrection day. It's in the present. He will free you from the, the battles of sin and and give you a means of fleeing from sin. So then, brethren, we are under, under obligation, not to the flesh to live, according to, the, to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's not just about resurrection. It's about in the present as well, if he can handle my resurrection, the consequences of my sin, I know he can also deal with my, my sinful heart. And the righteous man says, Lord, you're able and you're willing even to change this heart. And we respond in likewise, not by our own hands, but by the hands of God who does so for those who respond in faith. So where are you? Are you letting God transform your heart after even receiving the gospel and its truth? Or are you the one who just needs to let go of your hands and entrusting yourselves to your own fate, which you know which will lead to death? Or have you responded to the God who is able and is willing to save you simply by faith? The table sits before us. It's an exclusive table. It's exclusive in the sense it's for those who have given up their entrusting themselves into their own hands. As the table reminds us that God was both able and willing to save us from our sins. And those who are able or willing to, to participate it is set aside for those who have responded to the gospel in faith and demonstrated in faith through baptism of this conviction. If you have not responded to that, I would ask you just to pray about where you are in relationship with God and pass the, tab, the, the, the condiments past. But for those of us who are in Christ, um, these remind us, and this is why we take it regularly, God's able and he's willing. He saved you from your sins. He saved us from our sins. And as a result of that, we wait knowing that he, in the waiting he transforms us into the likeness of Christ, knowing that he is patient with those around us, even in this city, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, to use us so that they might know Christ and respond in the same way, obedience of faith. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, 
which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, God's not stuttered. According to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made to all the nations leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we come now to the table, let our hearts be set with joy. Just as the leper came running, Lord, we even remember how you reached us. Mine was a mother.